You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. The message is entitled, His Love, His Love. And we're still in the pasture ground of John chapter 15. We were there last week, and this has been a theme for a little bit of time. I remember Andrew coming one time, and I was sharing on John 15 uh, a year and a half ago. And uh, one of the most important passages in Scripture. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, I want to thank you that you're already speaking to us that your word is our bread, that you have given us an open door and we want to walk through it and we want to see the mystery of who you are and the glory of who you are this morning. Teach us your ways. Feed us. Give me grace to share what you want me to share and um, take us further into your heart, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if, we put, if we can put our hands on our hearts, please, and pray this. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. So we'll begin in John chapter 15, verse 9. John 15, verse 9. And then we'll read the context, but we'll start here. This is Jesus' teaching. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So say that again. We wanted to get into our minds and our hearts. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And there, that word in the Greek, remain, meno, could be translated as abide, dwell. It speaks of intimacy, especially in this context. So it's calling us into the intimacy of his love. Last week we saw all the ten Times where Jesus says, my, like my father. That was the message last week. And then we saw my words. And here in verse 9, we come to my love. And so that's why the message is entitled, his love. He is calling us to remain in his love like a vine like a branch is in a vine, 
So we are the branch, he is the vine. We are to abide in, dwell in, remain in his love. The Lord has had us on a journey and it's been pretty much through this quarter. We first started off on talking about faith, which is the word uh, pistuo is trust. The primary meaning is trust. And so the, the Lord had us on this journey of from talking about trust. And we talked about trust for about five weeks. And then we went to hope. Uh, and we talked about hope for a couple weeks. And, and we learned that hope is God's confident expectation of the future. Uh, that it's uh, in the Bible, it's something more than just wishful thinking. So we looked at uh, hope and the acrostic we had was his outlook, perspective, and what was the last one? Do you remember? Expectation. expectation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There it is. His outlook, perspective, and expectation. So we looked at hope. And now we are at the destination. Love. Faith, hope, love, or as we've said, a trust, hope, love. Now we're at the point of love, and that's these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. So this is one of the areas where we can either do it our way or God's way. And what Jesus is inviting us to do is to enter into, you know, we've been talking about the door, Enter into his love. And that means leaving our love and our strength behind for his love and for his strength. So let's look now more at this passage, John 15, 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking teaching. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that bears fruit he prunes. Now here I like the better, I, I feel it's better to say that at this point what Jesus is saying is he lifts up every branch that's in him but it's not bearing fruit. In other words he's caring for it. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. Verse 3, you are already clean or pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. And then here we have Jesus calling us into that intimacy. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Or remain in me and I'll remain in you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. This is speaking of a, a marriage relationship, a unity, an intimacy, a oneness now, there's two types of obedience. Uh, one is, and this is what we need to be delivered from, one is legalistic obedience. And that is where we're obeying God in our own strength, or we're trying to obey God in our own strength. We're trying to follow a list of rules. Uh, should I turn my TV on in, on the Sabbath and things of that nature? <laughs> 
So we're trying to do it in our own strength and in our own wisdom and not out of intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, or inter- you may not e- some people may not even know Jesus. So that's legalistic obedience. But there's another type of obedience, and that is relational obedience. And that is, that's why the Lord calls us to trust, because trust is a very relational word. In marriage, if a marriage is going to be well and, and healthy and fruitful, there's going to need to be trust. Once trust is broken down in any relationship, the relationship breaks down. And so what does God call us to first? He calls us first to trust because he wants relationship. He wants intimacy. And this whole analogy he's giving us of the vine and the branches, well, the branches are trusting in the vine. The branches are resting in the vine. The branches are settled in the vine. And that is where a true, authentic obedience is. So what can happen is some, we look and we see people who are legalistically uh, obedient or trying to be obedient and not relationally, and we may think, well, obedience is uh, the old covenant. But we see here, especially in John 15, as well as all over the New Testament, it calls us to obey, obey. But the obedience is not the obedience of our own self-effort. It is the obedience of abiding. It's the obedience of relationship. It's the obedience of wanting to listen to his voice and do what he says. It's it's love-motivated. At at the heart, it's grace-empowered and love-motivated. Empowered by grace. So... The whole analogy of the the vine and the branches is the branch is receiving the quote-unquote grace from the vine, the power from the vine, and the vine is Jesus. So we obey through the power of Jesus Christ, through Jesus living in us. We'll talk more about that at Bible school tomorrow night, but that great mystery of Christ in us the hope of glory that's talked about in Colossians. So here we have that call. Jesus says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you. So notice it's a dynamic relationship. It's not one way. I uh, you remain in me and I will remain in you. And that I in you reminds us of the tabernacle. Because why did Moses make the tabernacle? So that God would dwell among the people. Make a tabernacle, uh, uh, this holy place that I might settle and dwell with, with you. Uh, that's in Exodus 25. And I preached on that yesterday. So today we have a, a few people. Yesterday it was 300 plus people, almost 400 people in the city tabernacle, uh, Baptist church. And when you preach like in that big uh, 
like at a wedding in a big crowd, you wonder when you're speaking if, it's, if the words are having any, you know, effect. But I was, I, so I didn't, I was expecting much from God. I wasn't expecting so much from people, but I had so many people come up to me yesterday. I'm praising God for this. I need to find some encouragement, right? (laughs) I'm praising God. So many people came up to me and said, thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the word you preached. And there's people that I didn't even, I didn't know. I didn't know their names. Of course, there was a fair, at that wedding, there was a fair bit of graduates from Bible school Um, But the message had to do with marriage. The purpose of marriage is to be a tabernacle for God so that God can dwell in your relationship and in your home. And what we see here is what the Lord is inviting us into is a marriage with him. And he he wants to dwell with us. And he's saying, as you are intimate with me, I'm intimate with you. As you dwell with me, I dwell with you. It's both. It's both things like, you know, in the prophetic word, God was calling us to come to him, to go through the door. So there's that door we go through. And then there's the other aspect, which is as as true. And it's not one against the other or one versus the other or competition. The other aspect is we ourselves are a door in which Christ wants to come and dwell with us. So he wants us to come to him, to come up higher and dwell with him. And he also wants to dwell with us. It's the whole relationship, that whole unity between heaven and earth. The, the oneness that God has always wanted. This is the mystery of his will. The oneness of what he's always wanted. He o- he's always wanted that unity between heaven and earth. That interdwelling of heaven and earth. And here we see a picture of it through the vineyard. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, this is not Jesus being mean. All he's saying is, I'm the source of life. I'm true life. If you're not going to abide with me, you're going to wither up and die. You'll have no life. And eventually what's going to happen is you're going to be taken like a dry stick and thrown into the fire. You're going to perish. That's what he's saying here. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, how I translate that, this, and I have a whole translation of this from 1 to uh, 17. 1 to 17 in two infographics, and it's at the brisbanefire.com website, and you can go there and go to the Inspiration Fire online store, and you can download it for free um, for, I guess, the next week. And you can see how I translate this. Verse 7 I found very interesting in the Greek because here it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The Greek gives me a, a different sense when I read it. And basically, I'll I'll read the Greek, I'll I'll write out the Greek, and then I'll go about translating it. 
Because the word there is, be, the word in the Greek is gnosko, which is to become. So it's basically saying, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you desire and it will become a part of you. In other words, this thing is about your nature and character. It's not just about God doing stuff out there. Uh, of course, God does want to do stuff out there. But what it's saying here is I want my words to become a part of you. I want my love to become a part of you. I want my joy to become a part of you. I want my patience, you know, <laughs> patience to become a part of you. And it becomes a part of us as we participate in his nature, that intimacy with him. Now, the wedding yesterday was quite amazing. So Missy, many of you know Missy has often led worship here. He's a graduate from the Bible school. He is like a son to me. Missy's like a son to me. So I had Gideon, our son, get married a couple weeks ago. He just got back from his honeymoon. And then Missy getting married uh, to Mele. And I was just amazed at what happened at the wedding. Well, first of all, I, just the five minutes before where the bride's about to walk in or so, or five minutes before the, well, it took a while for the bride to come. <laughs> we were waiting for the bride. It's like waiting for the coming of Jesus. We were waiting for the bride for a long time. And, and just before the service was going to start, they put up a guitar right where the groom is going to stand. And so I thought, what is Missy going to do? Is he going to sing his vows? What is going to happen here? So the bride comes in, and then Missy says, okay, we're going to start off glorifying God as the groom. He leads us all in worship. And so she's worshiping. The bride's worshiping. You see the bridesmaid worshiping, and you have... 370 people worshiping the Lord. It was, it was beautiful. And then I talked to Missy afterwards, and Missy told me, when I was, I was praying, I was spending time alone with God. And that just brings a lot of joy to my heart, to hear that someone's saying, I was spending quiet time with the Lord. Because that's really the source of our intimacy. The, if I would go by, you know, appearances and circumstances, I would not be here for, and Anna and I would not be here for 24 years. What keeps us is that every morning we say, Lord, help us out. <laughs> We're dependent on you. I'm dependent on you. And that's the picture here, the vine and the branches. The branches are dependent on the vine. And so every morning we're saying, Lord, I'm depending on you. I need your words. And, you know, Jesus is talking about my words uh, becoming a part of you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. And I want us to see also the connection between all these things. So sometimes people talk about intimacy with God, but they forget the word of God. They forget Jesus' word or, or they... Uh, forget the importance of prayer. But all of these things are connected. Jesus, his presence, his personality, his word, his love. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. 
So all of these, these things are connected. So I'm talking to Missy, and he's telling me I spent, um, was spending time alone with God, and the Lord spoke to me to wash, to begin by washing my bride's feet. So this is what happens. He leads in worship. We all sit down. It's the, the time for the, there's the official vows that Peter led them in, and then they did their own personal vows. And in their own per personal vows, Missy gets out a basin of water, a towel, and he begins by washing his bride's feet. And he said that all came from spending time alone with the Lord. Well, it takes a, a lot of courage and boldness because you never really see that done in a wedding. I haven't seen it done. Maybe you have, uh, but I haven't seen it done. And it was a beautiful time. Lots of people were in tears. But the other thing was that there was, there was great joy, but they were also walking through something really difficult. And that is the bride's mom passed away three weeks before the wedding. So three weeks before the wedding, the mom passes away. She's not very old. She's, you know, young cancer uh, like it happened to often a lot of people, sadly. But there was something of the love of God being ministered through the groom, which represents Jesus, to the bride, which represents God's people. So it was a beautiful wedding. The other thing that was quite amazing is the bride said, I, I was saving my first kiss for my wedding day. You don't hear that too much anymore. I'm I was saving my first kiss for the wedding day. And so then when, you expect, when Peter says, you may now kiss the bride, I was expecting a real, you know, some passionate kiss. But Missy very respectfully kisses her on the cheek. <laughs> and... Our good friend Luke, I was sitting next to Luke, one of the graduates from Bible school, and he said to me, oh, they, he, you know, he does that out of respect, out of the respect for the family. So there's, you, uh, in the culture, showing like lavish displays of public affection is not um, acceptable. And in Israel, they call it an Arab kiss. So the Arabs don't do public displays of affection like on TV and things like that. So you would see like a little kiss on the cheek, like a token kiss. And then in Israel, they call that the Arab kiss. Um, but it was a very beautiful, very beautiful time and very beautiful web, uh, 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 wedding. So now getting back to here, we're in verse 8 now. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So again, the big pressure today in the church world and for pastors and leaders is we got to produce fruit. We got to produce numbers. We got to grow the church. Of course, I want to see our church grow. Um, 
But it's, it's all this pressure to do it in performance or your own strategies or your own wisdom. And Jesus is saying the way is abiding. And this is, produces true fruit, which you may not always see within your own church, but it will be produced all over the place. It will be fruit that will abide, that will remain, that will last. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he's talking about this discipleship relationship, and it has to do with us remaining in his words. Now, I found interesting as I was studying this that there's three, three words for his words or my words that he's talking about. We have first rhema, rhema. You've heard of rhema, rhema. And then when we get into verse 10, so that's when he says my words, he's saying rhema. Now I need to clarify what rhema is because there has been some inaccurate teaching in church circles about rhema. And they've often pitted rhema against Logos. Now, Logos appears at the end when Jesus says, and let's see if I could find the verse. It's verse 20. My teaching in the NIV. That's Logos. That's Logos. So we have Rhema, Logos. And there's been a bit of an inaccurate teaching. Again, uh, Rhema versus Logos. And let me explain this to you linguistically, because what has been taught is the rhema is like the prophetic word, the, the fresh word, and that the logos is the written word. But linguistically, that is not correct. I'll explain it to you how it is, and, and sorry if I burst any bubbles, but I'll explain how it is. Uh, it, rhema is... All right, let, let me explain it like this. Logos would be like, my whole message that I'm sharing here is logos. And we get the, we get the word logic from it. So you take the whole entire thing. This whole message would be, you would say, something like that's a logos. And then rhema would be different sayings in the message, maybe a quote maybe a verse. There would be different sayings or verses. So that's how rhema is used. Rhema is used as verses or sayings or maxims or statements or expressions. And logos is more the heart, the essence, the whole entire thing. These words also, rhema and logos, can also be synonyms. So they can be used interchangeably like word, or they can be used in a particular way as like a certain expression, rhema, and logos being the, the whole body. So when you're thinking of logos, it could be translated as word, message, uh, heart, essence, logic, thought, thing, matter, event. That is all these all possibilities for logos. And then for rhema, like the sayings. So it would be like taking a verse and meditating on it. That would be the rhema. 
unfortunately, they, uh, people have made a bigger difference out of those two words. And uh, sometimes it, you know, I need a rhema word rather than a logos word. But that's not too accurate biblically. But maybe there's a little bit of truth in that a rhema is a saying, a verse. So like if we would say verse 9, this is like a rhema. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. It's a saying of Jesus, which is one and in unity with everything he said. The logos of everything he says. So what, is, what are we learning from this is the, the, the particulars are important and the whole body of teaching is important. Are you seeing this? Like the, the portion, the little portion is important, and it's always in agreement with the larger body. It's not that there's a tension between the larger body of teaching and the rhema. You'll always find that what Jesus says in a, a quote, like when he is speaking uh, his written word, God's written word against Satan, he is quoting a saying, like a rhema, a quote. But that always agrees with and must agree with if it's going to be true and authentic with the whole body of teaching, the whole logos. So that is how it would be. That's the best way to see it. Now, there's another word here, too, which is very interesting. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, notice my again, my commands. Say my commands. Good work. <laughs> if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is talking about relational obedience. Well, the word for commands is entole, entole, which I'll break it up in two parts because you may know these two words. N is in, E-N is in, in. Entole is like, is from tello or telos, you know, tello. Uh, so spell it uh, T-O-L-E or T-O-L-L-O uh, for tello or tele or telos. Um, so we have here the word for command in Greek is basically to be in something to complete it, to finish to finish something, to complete it. Because you have telos. Telos is like telephone going from one place to another. Uh, and telos is a very important, uh, important word in the Bible. Interestingly, the New Age people, I saw even the New Age people use this you know, as I'm traveling through uh, Australia and looking in towns, and somehow they've picked up on this word. So it's funny with New Age teaching, often they'll take, they'll take a little little thing and then take it out of context. You know, they won't have it. In the, the logos is not there at all. It's, the, it's the, the rhema divorced from the logos, which makes it not even a true rhema anymore. Uh, but it's, it's taken out of context. Well, telos is to, when you read perfection in Scripture, perfect, perfect. It's usually the word telos. And telos is to complete uh, or to get to the end it's the finish uh, to, to bring something to the end 
the final point. So tell us, probably better uh, translated as to uh, maturity, be mature as your father is mature. That, it's this word telos is used to, f- to finish, to complete. So here we have entole, which is translated as command, but specifically the picture of it is to go to the finish. It's in, a, in other words, to finish what God says, to do what he says, but not to just begin it, but to finish it to complete it, to carry it out. So let's, let's put those words in there for a second. Are you following me with this, this logic? Because I'm getting a little bit deeper than I expected. <laughs> if you carry out what I say, you will remain in my love. Just as I carry out what my father says and remain in his love. So the, the importance of being in something to the end, being on the way to get to the destination. And what is the destination? What's the destination that we've talked about in the beginning? Love. And so look at what it says here. We go verse 11. I have told you this so that you're, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There's so many Christians that are depressed because they're not carrying out the word of God. They're not carrying out what the Father says. And so then there ends up to be, being all this conflict in your soul when you're disobedient. But when there's obedience, relational obedience, there is joy, fullness of joy. My joy, Jesus says, my joy. And that's what we need. We need his love. We need his joy. And then now he says in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now what I, when I saw the wedding, I saw Missy. I was like, wow, Missy has created a very high standard, especially for the islander community of people who say that, they, you know, I'm Christian. All right, are you going to be Christian like Missy is Christian? <laughs> so he created such a high, high standard for the grooms to come uh, that he it was showing that love that Jesus put in his heart for his bride. Well, this is also the high, this is this highest standard in here, because listen to these words. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Not love each other as you think what is right, and not even love each other as you love yourself, which is important. That's the second most important command. But here it's, it's brought even like high definition of what love is, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So love each other just as I, Jesus, is saying, just as Jesus has loved you, I want you to love one another. So he is the standard. Now there is the, uh, the, modern, the modern church version. Have you heard of the MCV version of this? Verse, the modern church version. Have you heard it? No, no, you haven't heard it now. <laughs> no, you guys are the first ones to hear it. 
My command is this, love each other. Uh, love each other as I have loved you, except if someone has offended you. <laughs> except if you've been hurt. So this is the, this is the new translation. So we're printing it out. It's going to be selling like hotcakes right now. That's how we're going to fund the ministry. I'm joking around. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Unless someone has hurt you, hurt you, offended or offended your feelings. No, that's not what it says, right? That's not what it says. What it says is it's just love. It is no if or but or if someone hurts you or someone offends you. It's love each other as I have loved you. And that is a love that transcends feelings, it transcends emotions, it transcends offenses. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this. And Jesus is describing his own life and what he's about to do. To lay down one's life for one's friends. The laying down of one's life. So this is the love that we're meant to have for one another. Now, how is that possible? It's only possible as we abide in the vine, as we are receiving his love. So I know for Anna and I, over the last several years, we went through a lot of traumatic things. And I'm not here to recount that. But what, what has got us up to this point? <laughs> is that we, it was that love, but not our own love died out, you know, like a sparkler, went to the end, and there it was. The, the sparkler had died out. So our own love had died out. Now it's like we need the miracle of his love. We need the power of his love. We need to love people with his love, which is con constantly forgiving, constantly merciful, laying down one's life. And the only way you're going to receive that is not through your willpower, but through resting in him and receiving it from him. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. And this is what it means to be his friends. We participate in him. We live like him, but we live like him not based on the works of the law, our own works, but his work in us, his life in us. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's revelation. Jesus making known to us everything he has received and learned from his father. And revelation is a, it's, it's the fruit of friendship. So the reason why the Lord reveals himself and reveals his word and reveals his character to us is because we are his friends. He's whispering to us these secrets which are not uh, something like Different from the word that we read. Oh, I have this secret teaching. And, you know, you got to, this rung of the ladder is this. And the next rung of the ladder is that. And the next rung of the ladder is that. But it's all laid out 
here in Scripture. And so we're going to be ending soon. We have verse 16 here. This really flips the script here, verse 16, because, again, in the modern church, it's all about us choosing Jesus. And it's good to have uh, calls to come, come to Come to the Lord. Even Jesus says, come to me. But in coming to Jesus, don't think that we chose him, but he chose us. And so his word always comes first. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and that's what lo love is real fruit. Love is lasting fruit. Love lasts. Amen? Love lasts. And notice how all these, again, I want to bring back, notice how all things, these things are connected. Uh, being in his presence, praying, his word, keeping his commands, his joy, that joy, uh, laying down your life. Revelation, bearing fruit, all of these things are connected and all comes back to abiding in the vine. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, in my name, we get back to in my, in my name, which we talked about last week, but in my name is not t just tacking it at the end of your prayer. In your name means you are representing the Lord's nature, character, and authority. Just like a government official would come over, say from, let's say Spain this time, Spain. And uh, if the Spanish ambassador was not in agreement with his government's plans and the government's purposes, then if he's having his own agenda here in Australia, someone from the top is going to say, get rid of this ambassador. They are not representing the name of Spain. Name of Spain. I was not, yeah, the rain in, <laughs> the rain in Spain is, falls mainly on the plains. The rain in Spain. <laughs> I like that, the my fair lady, right? Yeah, My Fair Lady, yeah. I like that uh, play. So praying in his name is only possible as we abide. Do you get this? It's only possible as we're close to him, as we're intimate with him, as we're laying our head on his chest, as we're listening to his heartbeat. That is the only way praying in his name is possible is if we're knowing him and we're friends with him and then we're representing his will and we're knowing his word, we're knowing what he wants to do. You did not cho chose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then he repeats it again. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. So 
a big contrast between our own flesh and our own flesh, we're doing it in our own strength, and then God's way is abiding. Our way in the flesh is keeping the works of the law, but the way of the Spirit, being in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and then I heard this trumpet. I, I, whoa, I'd like to go there. That's a good one. <laughs> we'll go through it. This message will never end. No, I'm just joking. It's coming to, it's coming to a conclusion soon. But I love this uh, verse here, Revelation 1.10. On the Lord's day, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and, seven, and send it to the seven churches. So listen to those words again. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. When you're in the Spirit, it opens your ears to hearing Jesus' voice. And His voice was so loud, so clear. It was like a trumpet. That's what in this, when you're in the Spirit, you're in another realm. You're in this realm of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is your air, it's your breath, and the Holy Spirit is, is leading you and guiding you and speaking to you. And in that, when you're in the Spirit, one word has such weight. Like you hear the word love, and if you're not in the spirit, you hear the word love in your own kind of understanding. But then when you hear the word love in the spirit, it's so weighty. It's so powerful because it bears the weight of God's glory. That very word is carrying the glory of God with it. Hallelujah. And on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And so this is what every day should be like. The Lord's Day being an example of what every day, every day should be the Lord's Day. I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So that's what I see, a practical example. How do you abide in the vine? How do you abide in, vi in the vine? You make sure you're in the Spirit every day. And how does that happen? Do you receive the Spirit through the works of the Lord or by trust. Galatians says, by faith, by trust. And so it's you coming to God and saying, I'm trusting you for your spirit to fill me today, for your spirit to fill my mind, my thoughts, my emotions. I don't want to be living based on my body, based on what I, what I, uh, my emotions are going through, based on my circumstances, or even my accomplishments. I want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that opens you up to the, the kingdom of God. The angels of God ascending and descending upon you like it did on Jesus. Because you are in Christ and he is in you. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit. And I heard. He heard because he was in the spirit. I was in the spirit and I heard behind me. And he heard it loud and clear. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, and it said, write. And so this is why I have a journal. Do you have a journal? Anna got a lot of journals for her birthday. <laughs> Andrew, do you have a journal? If not, get yourself a journal. Dr. Andrew here, he's an amazing man.
travels the world, and he's with us. Hallelujah. We love you, Andrew. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Hallelujah. Thanks, Andrew. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> the, the, notice how he says write, you know, write this on a scroll. It was written down. Now, when we write in our journals, it doesn't take the place of the Word of God. You know, we don't say, oh, yes, this is more important than this. <laughs> but there's something that when the Spirit is moving and writing is important. I like, Christine, how you write down your prophetic words. It, the pattern is seen here in these two verses in Revelation, verse 10 and 11. So hallelujah, God has called us into this marriage relationship with Jesus. And that's the only way lasting fruit is possible. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. Your words are a feast to us. When we're going off course, <laughs> they bring us back to your way. But also when we're on the way, they're like food that strengthen us to continue on the way. We could have chose today to eat from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, but we chose not. That's not really good. We want to eat from the tree of life, which is you. You, Jesus, are life. And we want to eat from that tree. We don't want to be here talking about all petty little uh, things like uh, news reports and aliens coming from wherever they're coming from or whatever they're saying today. <laughs> Lord, we know, Jesus, you are greater than all of that. And you are the truth. You are the way. You're the truth. You are the life. And we love you, and we worship you, and we overcome through you. So we thank you for your love. That's what we're feasting on this morning, your love. May we live a life of abiding in that love, of hearing your voice, of being energized by your presence empowered by your presence, Lord. Just uh, take these words and use them. And we thank you today that we could be together. In Jesus' name, amen.